to be able to take it to that next level. That's what I'm excited about. Mills, quick pass. Nico at the five. Nico in the end zone. The dagger. And Grenard with the sack back at the 25-yard line. Touchdown, Houston. Rock and roll. Tremont Smith, coast to coast. There is no offseason for your Houston Texans. Game day is every day. Now, it's Texans All Access. Fired up tonight. Hello, Texans, and we are ready. Mark Vandermeer, John Harris with you, joined by, because it's Thursday night, and I guess sometimes we do miss it, but most of the time we're here. (laughs) 99.9% of the time we're all here together with John McClain, the general, from Sports Radio 610, and occasionally the Chronicle, and sometimes the Waco, is it the Tribune, John? Waco Tribune, Harold. Okay, Waco Tribune Herald. And on that note, Hall of Famer John McLean and Texas Sports Hall of Famer. How was that? And, John, before you start, I said earlier this week on the air, I don't know if you heard it, that you were probably just as happy, if not happier, that Shereen Williams got into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame. You are exactly right, Mark. Shereen is my best friend in the NFL, one of the best friends I've had for 30 years. I've met her when she was covering the Buccaneers in Orlando. Then she went to the Star-Telegram, Fort Worth, cover the Cowboys, and she's been working for Pro Football Talk and NBC. And to have her be voted into the Texas Sports Hall of Fame and share the podium with me was an incredible honor. And I got to tell you, I thought in 2006, Shereen was my presenter in Canton when I was inducted into the Hall of Fame there. And uh, there were 7,500 people, and I was at the head dais with all the hall of famers and that was incredible and i rode in the hall of fame parade with carol next to me on the back of a red corvette convertible and shereen in the passenger seat but i gotta tell you saturday night waco's my hometown i grew up there I had people there from far back as the third grade i had people from my junior high my high school baylor and it was the greatest night of my life i thought that the Pro Football Hall of Fame is the ultimate accomplishment a member of the media can have. Every year they take one writer from the Pro Football uh, Writers of America, and you get the award for long and distinguished coverage of the NFL. But this one, it was me against the Metroplex. The other seven were all from Dallas, Fort Worth, Arlington. And, uh, and we were only the second media class in history to go in. It's not like they do this every year. And to look out and see so many people at the Hall of Fame and uh, cheering me on because I was the local boy make good. The columnist there, Bryce Perry, the cherry, the sports editor, did a long column on me on Saturday. And people were, I got people reached out to me I hadn't heard from in years. And if, if people knew what I, did when I was in high school and where they thought I was going to end up. One girlfriend's dad said he's a thug and he's going to end up in Huntsville. And to think about that and where I actually am now, it just is mind boggling to me. And I just wish my parents who put up with a whole lot were here to see it. At least my dad knew about Kenton. My mother was already dead. And uh, I wish they could have been there Saturday night. General, you thought this was Texans All Access, but this is actually an intervention um, <laughs> because you said you retired 
And it feels like you're doing more work now than you ever did with the Chronicle. Have you, in fact, retired, or was that uh, in some way, shape, or form a ruse to get us all thinking you had retired? I'm only joking, but it does feel like you haven't retired. You just continue to work and work. And you talked about, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, doing a story on Jalen Petrie. Uh, for the Wake, uh, Waco Tribune-Herald. Is that right? Waco Tribune-Herald? I don't know. Yeah, Waco Tribune-Herald. I did a and Sunday story a week ago. How did that go? What was that? Uh, how did you like that, A, and g- doing that article for the Waco, Waco Tribune-Herald? And B, what did you find out about Jalen Petrie that you think fans would really like? Well, first of all, I retired from the Chronicle. 47 years, all those decades covering the NFL. I just thought it was time. And I love talking about sports, so I still do my – 10 talk shows every week in six cities. And I still have people call me about podcasts and other shows, talk about the Texans. And I'm on sports radio, 610, four days a week. And I love being on with you guys. One of the reasons that I like 610 so much is instead of being on one show, four times a week, I'm on every show once, including with you guys on Thursday, six to six thirty. And I watched almost every game Petrie played. But he became a great player the last two years when Dave Aranda came in and uh, gave him a new position, a hybrid safety linebacker position. By the way, Dave Aranda is about to come for the annual Baylor night at the Omni Hotel on uh, Tuesday. And uh, I think a lot of Baylor fans will be out there, including me. I'm going to be in there interviewing him, and then I'm going to tweet it. And I started thinking the other day, I have 148,200 followers. So when I tweet things, there's a good chance they're going to see it. So I came to the OTA, and I watched the interviews. Then I came home and tweeted a bunch of observations. It's like, John, you put them on HoustonTexans.com. I put them on Twitter. And uh, hopefully people will see them. And so I'm going to do that with Dave Aranda. And you know, everybody interviewing him before when he'll do his media scrum is going to be asking him about Jalen Petrie. And uh, plus – He'll get asked about the two coaches in the sandbox, Jimbo and Nick, and I'm guessing (laughs) he's not in the SEC, so he doesn't have to be quiet when he talks about it. But Aranda is very low-key, and he came from the SEC and LSU, so you would think that he – you know he has a lot of thoughts about it, but I can't wait to see if he says anything publicly. As far as Petrie, there's two things I predict right now is Damian Pierce will rush for 1,000 yards, and they may not start him the first game because they don't like starting rookies. Nick Casario doesn't. And, but I think he'll rush for 1,000 yards. Number one, he doesn't have a lot of competition. They improve the offensive line. Uh, Davis Mills is going to be better, so defense is going to have to worry about the passing game. And Pierce has a great opportunity to come in here for a coach and an offensive coordinator who want to run the ball better. And the other one is Jalen Petrie will be a captain in his second season. We're talking about a guy that has a master's in educational psychology and is working on a third degree. It's very smart. He is, he is instinctive. He diagnoses things well. And even though he's 5'11", 198, this time next year he'll probably be 5'11", 205 when uh, they get some weight on him and get him stronger. And people won't see him making a lot of mistakes. You know, I don't see him as a two-deep kind of guy. And more and more teams are going to two-deep coverage. I see him as an around-the-line-of-scrimmage type of guy, covering covering uh, slot receivers. 
He's really good at that, did it a lot last season. And he's very good against the run. 18 and a half tackles for loss, that's a safety. And so I think people, because he's smart, he's going to pick up Lovey's system pretty quick. They're going to see him making plays from the get-go. John McClain joining us on Texans All Access. General, so we all watched OTAs this week, and give me a couple of takes right away, what you noticed right away being out there at the Houston Methodist Training Center this week. Well, I wondered where Laramie Tunsil was because, you know, he missed a lot of time with the injury last year. He's healthy. You want him there at left tackle, new offensive line coach. You know, he didn't have Tenyon Green working with the first team. No rookie was working with the first team, but it's only a matter of time. Titus Howard is the starting right tackle and will be. A.J. Can starting right guard and will be. Justin Brett's the center. So the offensive line, even though they'll never admit it, is set with barring injuries. And it's going to be better. And I think George Warhop will make it better. And the thing I like about OTA is you can't tell anything about the linemen, but you can tell about receivers, defensive backs trying to cover them. You see quarterbacks. And and I watch Mills a lot. And I know you guys did too, because so much of this team's improvement is going to hinge on Davis Mills. And uh and I he just he just looks so much smoother, confident players talking to him. You know, he's not an openly charismatic guy, but I'm told behind the scenes people gravitate toward him because he's smart, he's likable, he's respected. They like his work ethic, and the players understand if they're going to be better, he's going to be the catalyst. And at some point this season, he'll have Cooks and Collins outside. Collins made a couple of great catches. And he'll have John Mechie, the rookie, in the slot. And he'll have Damian Pierce, the rookie, running back. And his offense is going to be so much better. So I, I looked up one time and I saw Collins just making those long strides, streaking down the left sideline, caught a deep ball. I think it was thrown by Jeff Driscoll. But just watching the body language of Davis Mills when he's in the huddle, standing behind the huddle, talking to teammates, you can tell he's so much more comfortable than this time last year when he was like a deer in the headlights. John, I asked this question to DP. I talked about it with Mark the other day, and I'll ask you. I, I did this segment with DP where I gave her three different topics and, and gave her the opportunity to give me three reasons why. And the one first thing I asked her was three things – that you are absolutely, totally confident the Texans are better than they were in 2021. And she had a couple of good ones. She talked about Lovey taking over as head coach. Don't she tell me what she said. Don't tell okay. me. You give me. You don't have to give me three. But what would you say you're most confident in the Texans in 2022 are better than they are in 2021? Davis Mills is going to take big strides with working with Pep Hamilton again, Pep Hamilton calling the plays, and knowing he has a better running game to take pressure off of him. And Brandon Cooks is not going to be better, but Collins is going to be better. And the guys who were first-year guys last year will be better. He'll have a better offensive line. So number one is Davis Mills. Number two, the worst running game in the NFL, the worst in franchise history, will be substantially improved. I'm not saying it's going up to top 10, but just somewhere in the neighborhood of 20 
after going 31 and 32 the last two years. I am confident in that. And the next one, I know with Derek Stingley and with Jalen Petrie, this secondary is going to be vastly improved. Those are the three things. John, it's funny with Pep Hamilton, you brought him up, and Lovey Smith, there's some parallels here because it didn't go as well as Pep wanted at the end in Indianapolis. He had good years offensively, 2013-2014 with Luck. Luck gets hurt in 15. It's the Hasselbeck year. They take a step back. He ends up in Cleveland as quarterback's coach, then has to go back to college. Now he's head coach of the D.C. Defenders in 2020 in the XFL. Uh, and then the Chargers, obviously. But both Lovey and uh, Pep have worked their way back to the league here. And I, I like these parallels. And what are you really expecting here from Pep? It's interesting to see the way his career has gone. And I'm eager to see what he makes out of this opportunity to be a coordinator again for the first time in the NFL for the first time since 2015. Nick Casario and the personnel department have given him some some talent to help this offense be better. And he'll, you know, he had other opportunities to leave. And I think I'm told one of the reasons he stayed because he wanted to work with Mills again. He's fired up about Mills. Lovey Smith knows he's fired up about Mills. Hamilton knows this. You take your forefinger and your thumb and you put them together. That's how close he is to being a head coach. And one of the things I'm really interested in when a coordinator comes and talks to the media once a week, people are watching him. And Pep is going to be in there talking to us. And he wants to make a good impression because all that goes out on social media. And he'll have chances to be a head coach. And today, when they're interviewing people for head coaching jobs, being able to stand in front of a crowd of media and address that media, talk to your ticket holders and your suite holders and your sponsors through the media, that's important. And I'm eager to see how he handles that. And everybody's fired up about him being a coordinator, just like I'm fired up to see what Lovey's going to be able to do, having more talent on defense, being in charge again. I believe had Lovey not gone to the University of Illinois, which was dead end, he would already be a head coach again somewhere else. He would have gone somewhere as a coordinator, maybe sat out a year like he did after between the Bears and the Bucks, and then I think he would have been a head coach. But I know he was hungry. It's a great opportunity for him. He's got a coach he's worked with before in Pep Hamilton. Those two guys trust each other, and they believe in Casario, and Casario works well with them. So I think fans ought to be fired up. I was I was having uh, a meeting with people today and they asked me, I said, I could see the Texans winning five or six games. And this time next year, after they have another big draft with two number one picks and Nick Casario has spent money on not go crazy and try to win March like Jacksonville, but he has money to spend being a hundred million under the cap. People are going to be talking about the Texans being a contender, whether it's for the division or whether it's for a wild card berth, I don't know. And I'm not saying they'll make it in 23. I think they will have turned a corner and they'll be a contender. And that, and I'm taking into consideration that I think Mills is going to make significant improvement. And I like the direction they're going and I like the people that they have in charge of it. 
General, what do you make of the Colin Kaepernick situation, getting the opportunity to work out with the Raiders? Apparently it went it went well. What do you make of that? The fact he hasn't played since 2016. Obviously we know he was suing the NFL. What do you make of the Colin Kaepernick situation? What does your crystal ball tell you how it works out for him? Well, Roger Goodell has said they basically made a mistake with him. He got blackballed. I hope that he gets another chance. But anybody that gives him a workout knows it's going to be a, uh, a big news all over the country. The coaches are going to get asked about it. If he's on your team, say the Raiders sign him as a backup. For, if Derek Carr starts the first game, throws a couple interceptions, and they lose, everybody's going to be say, play Colin Kaepernick, even though he hadn't played since 16. People act like he won multiple Super Bowls when he played. He went to one, and he played well. And uh, – if I can't imagine the Raiders bringing him in, knowing all this, didn't do it with the idea of signing him. So I believe he'll sign there because if he doesn't, then they're going to get a lot of more negative publicity for having him try out. He's worked out so many times in so many places, and it's on tape. You could watch it, and I don't know what they would glean out of it because he's worked out a lot. John McClain joining us. All right, Lamar Jackson, I don't know what's happening here. He's not at OTAs. We all know about the fifth-year option, contract situation, no agent. But a good point was made today. It might have been PFT. You know, if you want to win a Super Bowl, it might be good for you to be at OTAs, especially since you're still really developing as a perfect or perfected version of yourself, I should say. So what do you make of the Lamar Jackson situation and how it's going to play out, General? Mark and John, I have never seen a situation like this because, number one, they have said, Steve Biscotti, the owner, Eric Costa, the GM, uh, John Arbaugh, the coach, have all said they want to re- they want to sign him to a long-term deal. And they're not doing it because of him. And he doesn't have an agent. It's him and his mom. I hope he's got a good advisor. You know the agents would line up and backstab each other like crazy to get him as a client. And then for him to not show up, either they started negotiations privately we don't know about, or maybe he's playing at beach football again. <laughs> he almost got hurt three years ago, but it oh is a God. strange situation. I would have thought he'd have been there leading everybody, doing everything he can to have a great year so he can set the standard next year and get $240 million guaranteed. General, HBO announced that Team Drama, a.k.a. the Arizona Cardinals, will be the in-season hard knocks team. Watt, Hopkins coming off suspension, a quarterback that wants a new deal. We don't even know whether he'll be there. You've got uh, Captain Kingsbury, who lives in glass houses. Hopefully he doesn't throw stones. What were your thoughts about the Cardinals being named the in-season hard knocks team? First of all, uh, Murray will be there. It's 40000 a day if he's not. Yikes. He may do like Watson and show up and work out on his own. Oh, or uh, I, I asked yesterday, Seth Payne and Wade Smith, what it would be like to have a teammate who was holding out for more money and wanted to be traded and showed up just to keep from getting fined. What would it be like in the locker room when those uh, – players talked about him and both of them said well if he was trying to get more money but wanted to be there it'd be more understanding than if he was trying to get more money and wanted out 
And so in Murray's case, he will be there. I'd rather see them as the preseason hard knocks because the Murray thing would be a bigger issue. Now, during the season when DeAndre Hopkins comes back, that'll be big. You know J.J. will be a star and uh, of those hard knocks. And I, I think it's great. More power to them. I, I think this, if I were a team trying to make the playoffs, and coach maybe trying to save my job, I wouldn't want hard knocks around. John McLean joining us. General, when do you think the Watson decision comes down from the league on what kind of suspension, how long? When do you think that happens? Is it a Friday news dump tomorrow? Do we wait until late June, July? When is it going to happen? No, I think it's not going to be anytime soon, but it has to be. It's it's grossly unfair to the Browns and their fans and their players and their coaches if they drag it out. You know, why have Deshaun? And remember, when you're, uh, when you're suspended, you can be there working out till the game start. Well, if Jacoby Brissett's going to be the start of the first game, they need him taking the reps with the first team. So I would think somewhere around the start of training camp so they can get on with their business. And, of course, Watson's trying to learn a new playbook, new terminology, new teammates. So he's still going to have to get in a lot of work in camp because when the suspension ends, he wants to hit the ground running. And, of course, the Texans want the suspension to be as long as it can be, and they want him to play terribly and Jacoby Brissett to be awful because the more Brown, the Browns lose, the higher that draft choice is going to be next year. So I don't think it's going into the season. I don't think the NFL is going to be unfair about it because the Browns are way too important to franchise. Okay, General, I got to ask this question. My man Tyler Sudarth was in the studio, and he turned around at one point. He said to me, Johnny, I got an either-or for you. I said, okay. So I'll ask you. He said, beat the Colts, lose to the Browns, or lose to the Colts in the opener, but you beat the Browns in December. Which one are you taking? And, Mark, oh. you think about that because you're answering that later on too. Well, first of all, it's a no-brainer. you got to beat the Colts, their division team. And last year, the Colts embarrassed them twice. They split with the Titans, and they swept the Jaguars. They were better in the AFC South than they were against everybody else. So, emotionally, you would rather them beat the Browns and Watson throw five interceptions and Derek Stingley run back two for touchdowns. But when you look at it with your brain and not your heart, they need to beat the Colts. Also winning that first game this year, and I think they will beat the Colts. I think that Whoa. they would have beaten the Browns last year if Tyrod Taylor hadn't got hurt into the yeah. first half and they play Davis Mills before he's ready. I think they're going to beat the Colts, so I would say it's more important to beat the Colts. Outstanding. I love that opening game prediction. Don't like the rest of it, Johnny. I don't like that either. Or All right, one more for you, General. New England's offense, what's going on? Matt Patricia, Bill Belichick, you got Joe Judge. You don't have offensive people, although Belichick can do anything, let's be honest. What do you think they're doing, and how's it going to play out? I heard a thing the other day that all those guys started their careers on offense. And uh, so that's one reason it's not a big deal to Belichick. I'll say this to Bill Belichick. I think he has earned the the respect that if he thinks Judge and Patricia can help him co- coach the offense, 
then if he thinks it, I think it. It's not a bad Maybe way they're simplifying it. it. You never know. Yeah. All right, General. Well, we look forward to hearing you tomorrow afternoon with uh, Clinton Ron. We really appreciate the visit as always, and have a great weekend. Guys, we'll be at Sam's Boat in Cyprus. Come see us. Thank you very much. I'll see you guys at OTA <laughs> next week, and I'll be on with you next Thursday. Thank you. Sounds beautiful. Thank you. John McClain, the general from the Houston Chronicle. John, are you up for a who's better? We have a who's better as far as you you threw me some opponent stuff yesterday. I'll throw you some. And also, of course, quarterbacks come up in the conversation. And I'll give you my answer to that either or even though I don't want to. It's Texans Radio. Texans Radio continues in a moment. Credit Union of the Houston Texans, TDECU, is proud to help fans like you feel the thrill of victory from the first deposit toward a savings goal to a major milestone like a new dream home. TDECU is here to help you navigate your financial journeys and to cheer you on every step of the way, creating victories and improving lives. It's the TDECU way. Visit TDECU.org. Insured by NCUA Equal Housing Lender. Texas Children's Hospital is proud to be the official children's hospital of the Houston Texans and local sponsor of Play 60. Getting kids moving for just 60 minutes a day can improve bone health, fitness, brain function, attention, and academic performance. Join us in our commitment to the Houston Texans and Play 60 because at Texas Children's Hospital, everything we do is to ensure your family's future is a healthier one. Texans Radio, The Drive continues. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris, keeping you company, ride home or wherever you are right now. Sometimes I listen to the show while I'm walking the dog at night just to review some things that I might have missed or some other Sports Radio 610 programs or my favorite podcast, Smartless, uh, or other things. You never know. Johnny, are you ready for who's better? Yeah, but I have a question. When you're listening, are you listening for... Uh Your subject verb agreement, something you wish you could have said better, something that yes, factually was wrong. All of it. Which, all, all of it? I See, I think if you're a broadcaster and you don't air check yourself every once yeah. in a while, you're not doing oh, yeah. your job. You have to listen to yourself. You might think, I know what it is, and I know if it's good or bad. But you have to go. It's like reviewing the tape of a game. You have to go back and listen to yourself, and you'll hear things I didn't like the way I put that. Right. Or sometimes when I'm saying it, I know it's coming out badly, like maybe now. But <laughs> when I go back and review, I get ideas. Maybe I should do more of this or less of that or whatever. It's really important. It's like anything in life. You want to check your work, right? Yep. I'm blown away at guys like Johnny Depp. Not for the trial he's going through right now, although oh that's another subject. But he says he never watches himself in a movie. I'm blown away about that. Don't you want to see the work? I get being frustrated about, well, they edited this out. They they edit the work so much that you really don't even understand sometimes how it's going to come out until you see the final product. Don't you want to see that product? He says no. He says he's fine. He did the whole shoot, and he's good. I think what helped me in that regard, the first few times I listened to my voice, I thought, hey, man, I don't know, like, I don't know if I like the way I say that or said that or whatever the case. You're, but you're absolutely right. The one thing that helped me though was, was being a being a coach. I had to watch everything. I had to you know the whole self scouting thing. I mean, just going back and watching mm-hmm. what 
you know, we were doing and how we were doing it. And we didn't, you know, I didn't like it when I looked up there and went, why are we doing that? Why are we not doing this? Oh, my God. And then you got to wait six months, at least for us. If we make a mistake, if our subject verb agreement stinks or we say something factually not totally uh, accurate, we come right back the next night and we can fix it. But uh, but you're right. The first show we ever did, I remember it was back in 2014, and I had been off the air for a few months, and I remember listening to it, and I was like, oh, man, you could tell. I was talking way too fast. I kept saying, you know, you know, you know. And I was like, I do not like that at all. I got to fix that. And it was all because I listened to that first show that we ever did. So, yeah, it absolutely helps. But I know I know people in this business are like, nope, not going to watch myself, not going to listen to myself, just not going to do it. Oh, especially TV. You got to watch yourself. If It's funny because Drew Doherty's really good at this, and a lot of the guys who are on TV a lot are so good at this, guys and gals are so good at this, they know if, if I move this way one inch, it's going to look, they know exactly what that looks like. Yeah. I still don't know that. And I've been on TV plenty, but I'm not a yeah. TV guy, right? I still right. don't know. Like, if I tilt my head this way, that's going to look just fine. No, I'm not sure. And when I see it, oh, my gosh, why did I do that? Why did I shift yeah. in my chair? Now it looks all off or whatever. You know, Drew is totally polished and deepy. And, Johnny, you do a great job as well. All right, let's do who's better. All right, let's Who's go. better? Second-year quarterbacks. We're going to take Mills. We're going to abstain with Mills. Second-year quarterbacks. Better season in 2022. Fields, Lance, Wilson, Lawrence, or Jones. Better season out of those five. Give it to me. Trey Lance. As long oh, as gosh, one guy. huge caveat. One huge caveat. If oh, Debo boy. is back, Debo has to be back for that offense for Trey Lance. Look, back. George Kittle, fantastic player. I mean, we saw that he didn't have a catch really all game and then makes a one-handed down the seam, beautiful catch, blocks well at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think their running game will be like it always is. I think the 49ers offensive line, I think Trent Williams. I mean, everybody knows how I feel about Laramie. I love Laramie, although the guys at PFF don't. Um, I do. I think Laramie is fantastic. I think he is one of the three top tackles in the league. I think Trent Williams is one of those other three. You can give me Trent Williams, you can give me Laramie Tunsil. I'd be very, very happy. I'm happy that I, we have Laramie. But Trent Williams, I think, is the best left tackle in the game, not named Laramie. I think their offensive line is underrated. Uh, I'm curious to see how they'll be without Lake and Tomlinson. But Trey Lance, given opportunities in that offense with Debo Samuel, Trey Lance, I think, will have the best year of those second-year quarterbacks. If there's no Debo Samuel for some reason, I don't trust that Mac Jones is going to be able to do it without an offensive, uh, a true offensive mind next to him. I do think that Trevor is going to bounce back and have a decent year with Doug Peterson, but I still think, even with the weapons they've added, I don't think they're great weapons. I think they're a bunch of number twos and threes. There's no bona fide number one to really get the ball to. So he's going to need that run game to pick him up a little bit. I think Justin Fields will make strides, but there's nobody in Chicago. He's throwing a Darnell Mooney. That's it. That's it. Darnell Mooney and Cole Komet. That's all that he's got working. The one that I think is interesting is Zach Wilson. Because if Zach Wilson takes some strides, there are pieces around him. The offensive line has been bolstered. I think the New York Jets with Zach Wilson could be, could be a team to watch 
But I think Zach Wilson would be the next one I would pick. But it's Trey Lance to me. Trey Lance. It's funny because almost all of these guys, other than Mac Jones, could take incompletes as a grade in 2021. Yes. I mean, Lawrence with the coaching situation. Wilson got hurt. Fields didn't play much. Lance didn't play. We saw him, but he didn't play much. So they kind of take incompletes. And even Mills at 11 starts, that's a hefty number of starts, but the way the season was broken up, you grade it on a curve, you grade it on a specific element of, all right, how he played when he came back and trending in the right direction. All right, let's do more. Who's better here? Texans opponents and these two matchups, they play each other. Colts, Cowboys, Johnny. Who's better between these? Remember, the Cowboys won 12 games last year. People look at the playoff meltdown. Okay, but they won 12 games, and they're back, and they're hosting the Colts. I'm not saying who's going to win this game, but who's a better team. It's December 4th, a Sunday nighter. Who's better, Indy or Dallas? And by the way, that night, I'm not going to say go Cowboys, but I want Dallas to win that game. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I think that the Colts, top to bottom, and in the key areas on the field are better than the Cowboys. Look, there may not be a better football player on the field that night than Micah Parsons. I mean, he's unbelievable. But I don't think the Cowboys have the interior guys. I don't think the Cowboys have got the offensive line that the Colts do. I don't think the Cowboys have a running back, even though, oh, they got Zeke. No, Zeke's not, Zeke's not it right now. And Tony Pollard made some strides, but they're not Jonathan Taylor at all. So I think the Colts have the grimier, grinded-out sort of stars. They don't have – you know, the Colts have DeForest Buckner. What do the Cowboys have? The Cowboys have some flashy guys at key spots on the outside, on the perimeters. But in the trenches, that's the Colts. And I will always lean trenches. You know that. So I'm going Colts mm-hmm. over the Cowboys. Somebody – I think it was Baldinger today. Brian Baldinger tweeted a video of Darius Leonard – and you know I've talked about this, and it got me thinking about the Colts. And Leonard played all last year with an ankle. I, that I, I could promise you just watch him. He looked like he was 60 to 65% of what he had been. And this guy doesn't tackle anybody. He goes to punch the ball out. He creates eight forced fumbles last year. I think he had one or two against us in two games. He's just a phenomenal football player. And he's one of those guys that I was not extremely high on going into the draft. I just thought – at the Senior Bowl, I thought when the Texans coached him, I saw him up close. I'm like, yeah, just not totally impressed with this guy. But, man, he is exceptional. You put him behind Buckner with the secondary that they've got now with Stephon Gilmore. It's the Colts over the Cowboys. Okay, Giants and Jaguars. They're going to play each other. AFC South plays the NFC East. Who's better, Giants or Jaguars? Two teams trying to climb out of the dungeon. Oh, oh this is a hard one. Wow. The See? Giants or the Jags? That's why I do this. Yeah, I know. Um, be, um, my first thought is we were going through the teams last night, and it's like, okay, what player are you most intrigued with? What player are you most worried about? And I thought about the Giants, and I'm like, man, I don't know who worries me on the Giants. Yeah, I mean, Saquon could. But look, is there a guarantee that Saquon's going to be playing in that game? I mean, we don't, he just hasn't been healthy. He hasn't proven he can stay healthy. But then beyond that, you know, what defense, you know, Thibodeau, again, you know, is he going to be, is he going to be healthy? But then I look at the Jags and I think, okay, Trevor could get it together. I think, I think the book's written on Daniel Jones. It's just a matter of whether you want to get all the way through to the appendix at the end or not. 
And I don't know that I want to do that. I don't know if that's a book I want to continue to read. But I want to, if I'm a Jags fan, I'm definitely reading the rest of the Lawrence book because I think he'll get it back together. For that reason and almost that reason alone, I think I'll go with the Jaguars. But I think the Jaguars want to running back with Robinson and Etienne. I think that's going to be a much better combination because Etienne will be there and make it a combination. So I'm going to go Jags because I probably fear a healthy Trevor Lawrence more than I fear a healthy or not healthy Daniel Jones. Okay, one more for you. These are Texans opponents. They don't play each other in the regular season. They do in the preseason in Miami. Ouch. Very warm indeed in August in Pro Player Stadium, whatever they call it this year, Hard Rock Stadium. They've called it that for a couple of years. It was... It was Joe Robbie Stadium, Pro Player, Land Shark Stadium. Sun. I think sun it was something. Dolphin Stadium for ten minutes. Oh, it was like Sun Kissed or Sun yeah. Something. Sun Something. Yeah. That stadium might have had more names than any stadium in the NFL. Anyway, yeah. the Dolphins, and I'm gonna go with a similar weight class here. Even though the Dolphins didn't make the postseason, the Raiders did. Ooh. Didn't beat Cincinnati. Came close. Didn't beat them. Raiders. Dolphins. I'm going to say there's some similarities here in yes. weight class. Who's better? And think about the Dolphins' additions. Raiders exactly uh, yeah, didn't exactly, you know, go backwards here in acquisitions. I mean, they yeah. acquired Devontae Adams. So what do you think? They acquired Devontae Adams, and they also acquired Chandler Jones. Uh, Chandler Jones and Max Crosby are going to be a handful. I mean, imagine the AFC West tackles. they got to face Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa one week. Then they got to face Max Crosby and Chandler Jones the next. And then, oh, by the way, the Broncos are throwing Randy Gregory and Bradley Chubb at those tackles. I mean, that's six games having to face oh, those yeah, guys. Randy Gregory. Yeah, Randy Gregory going to Denver uh, will be interesting because of what they allow in Denver. But that said, um, Giants Raiders is a, or I mean, uh, Dolphins Raiders is a great comparison. Great comparison. I think top to bottom, Miami is a tad bit more talented. I think their offensive lines are similar. I think their running games. I think the Raiders are a little bit better, but I can't make a case definitively uh, with now Chase Edmonds in Miami over Josh Jacobs. I mean, that's really close. You had Tyreek to Waddle and Gasicki. You know, you got Devontae, Hunter Renfro, and, and Waddle. That's a really good comparison. But what separates those two teams is the quarterback. And that leans heavily towards the Raiders with Derek Carr. So I'm going to say the Raiders, based on Derek Carr, the addition of Chandler Jones with Max Crosby, gives the Raiders a little bit more of a threat off the edge. Um, and I I would, and I will fear Derek Carr more than I will Tua. Now Tua could you know, prove us wrong um, with this offense. And obviously every single, every single day you look up and you see you see a highlight. Ooh, Tua completed this pass in OTA. So they're really, really, the social media team for Miami is really trying to sell Tua. If he lives up to it. And look, I don't think Tua will completely bottom out. But I think Tua might be, it might be the worst thing and that Tua might be just good enough each week. It'll be like 215 yards passing, maybe a couple tutties and a, and a bad pick. And it'll be like that throughout the year where you go, man, there's some good things. And then there's just some, uh, you need to have clarity. As Nick Casario talked about after the Sean Watson trade, you want clarity. You need clarity. 
That will not help the Miami Dolphins at all if Tua does that. But I'm going to go Raiders in that situation based on the edge rushers and Derek Carr over Tua. Wild to be going down there back-to-back years as the Texans yeah. play the Dolphins in South Florida. All right, coming up on Texans Radio, stories of the day. I want to get to the Kaepernick thing in a football sense. We're not going to talk protests and things like that. But it did factor into the long gap between him being on teams, if he does indeed become a Raider. And I'll give you your either-or answer yes. reluctantly. It's Texans All Access. Texans All Access continues in a moment. Texas to be the best in Texas. We put quality, technology, and capability in the hands of every Texan who drives one. Visit your Texas Ford dealer today and you'll see why. Ford is the best in Texas. At Red Diamond, we know that there's simply nothing better than the perfect sip of fresh brewed iced tea. And we've been working hard to make sure choosing Red Diamond is always easy with only simple ingredients, water, tea leaves, and pure cane sugar, or no sugar. We make sure our tea tastes like, well, tea. Stop by your local cooler and pick up a gallon for a perfect sip today. Red Diamond, perfect's not easy. Not easy. Not easy. We return to Texans All Access. Oh, yes, we do. Tomorrow, another good show leading into Memorial Day weekend. Looking forward to it. Hope you get some time to recharge. Mark Vandermeer and John Harris with you. All right, Johnny. The Kaepernick workout with the Raiders, you know, it's been so many years since he played, and it's kind of sad because I, I heard elements of the podcast he did with Brandon Marshall and who else, and he said – you know, I just want to play. I want to compete. Let me compete. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. And just tell me goodbye. I'm paraphrasing here. And I liked hearing that and that, yeah, you just want your shot and everything. And I don't know if it was that we weren't hearing it from him or it wasn't getting reported, but I think that kind of language, that kind of dialogue certainly helps in getting you an opportunity in the league. And years ago, I just think it just got so big this story and you know McLean was talking about Roger Goodell apologizing about it earlier Uh, it's too bad because I think he still had enough game to help a lot of teams uh, at least as a backup at the very least you know 2017 2018 maybe but it's been years and it's got to be very tough for him to come back and be productive but maybe he could at least be a backup and you never know yeah I think the one thing that and you you sort of alluded to it. I, I heard I can't remember. If I, I think it was Sean and, or I mean uh, Seth and Wade were playing it this morning. The snippet from Kaepernick uh, from the podcast that said, "Yo, look, I'll be a backup." But and then the, it's the butt part that would worry me, and that is, but when I'm ready to be a starter, I should be the starter. Well, whose decision is that to make? If it's Collins going, hey, I think I think I'm better than that guy. I believe I'm better than that guy. Well, then there's going to be a problem. How do you know you're definitively better than that guy when really you've shown it in, what, practice? How do you know, having not played for six years, that you're better than that? That's the one thing I would worry about. Look, I'm all for giving him a shot. Heck, yeah, I've been all for giving him a shot for a long time. Give him a shot. Let him see what he can do. 
uh, and, and go from there. So I, I hope he gets an opportunity. But I don't want it to be a situation where, you know, he ends up in, in uh, Las Vegas and Derek Carr struggles out of the shoot. And everybody's like, oh, Kaepernick's earned a position now. Like, whoa, this is a lot more nuanced and complicated than people think. Oh, he's better than that guy. It's not quite that easy. I know we do it. You know, it's called who's better. And we just did it on the radio. In real life, in football, it's a lot more complicated and nuanced than that. Well put, my friend. All right, you're either or. What was oh, the I uh, either this, or I make this more complicated. I, I want to make this more complicated for you. Okay? Okay, for go ahead. For you. For general, I made it easy. For you. You come out of the gates and you beat Indy at home and Denver on the road, but you lose to Cleveland and Dallas back-to-back weeks. Or... You come out of those gates relatively strong, but you don't win those games and go 0-2, but you win against Cleveland and you beat Dallas. Which one are you taking? So now I'm making it a little bit more complicated. Oh, I'll take the wins over Cleveland and Dallas later in the season. I know Dallas is NFC versus AFC, and I'm losing to the Colts. But you know what? I don't want to start 0-2. But if you're going to give me that choice and rev it up in December Mm -hmm. and I got to take losses if I take the wins early, I'll take those losses early and take the wins late because that means i'm playing well and i'm gearing up for something possibly possibly i might just be getting hot in a very bad season but i'll take my chances with that one see solved the problem i've got to win that cleveland game johnny especially if certain people are participating in that on the other side okay that is it for the show tonight. Thank you very much for being a part of it, Johnny and John McClain as well. Thank you, Chris Santiago, for producing. And this show will be up on the Texans app soon enough. It's also going to be on the Odyssey app on the Sports Radio 610 page. You cannot miss it. Have a great night, everyone. And as always, go Texans. This is Texans Radio on Sports Radio 610. How do we outsmart cancer? At Houston Methodist, We're creating nanodevices to directly treat tumors, minimizing side effects. We're researching how repurposing existing treatments can stop the deadliest form of breast cancer from spreading. And removing cervical cancer without affecting the uterus so you can still give birth. That's the difference between practicing medicine and leading it. Houston Methodist, leading medicine. To learn more, visit HoustonMethodist.org.